Hello, and welcome to Art Matters at Home, a new arts and culture podcast from Philips. I'm your host, Arnold Lehman. After a half century in the art world, mostly as a museum director in Baltimore and Brooklyn, and five years at Philips as senior advisor, which means someone who is old, knows a lot of people, and isn't shy about voicing opinions, hosting an interview series like this seems like a perfect fit for me. So for each episode, like today's, I'll be at my desk having a socially distanced, at-home conversation with friends from around the world, artists, dealers, museum directors and curators, collectors and critics, to learn from them how and what they are doing and what is on their minds today and for tomorrow. So, let's get started with our conversation with my friend, CEO of Phillips Auctioneers, Ed Dolman. I remembered just before we um, started this morning that we've actually known one another for 21 years, since 1999. Do you remember the circumstances? I certainly do, Arnold, yes. (laughs) It would be a good thing to forget, actually. Um, So from my perspective, um, I was doing a very um, (laughs) high-profile exhibition at the Brooklyn Museum, and I have to say that at that point, Mr. Dolman and um, Christie's was the most generous supporters of that exhibition. And um, generosity sometimes doesn't have its appropriate rewards. So, Ed, you were deposed and questioned and um, legally uh, harassed and God only knows what else for being a very uh, terrific supporter of the arts. Yeah, it was certainly a massive shock, the whole thing, (laughs) I must admit. Um, I'd been the, you know, managing director of Christie's European operations. And as part of um, our sort of general support for the arts in London, we decided to, to, to support the Sensation Exhibition at the Royal Academy, um, which we did. And it was, it was a great exhibition. Now it's sort of a, a groundbreaking exhibition, really. Um, and there were works that, Cause some controversy um, in London by the very nature of the art, and uh, it, it was great, and we were very happy to be associated with it. And it was it was an important moment for contemporary art in particular, and, and London actually. Um, and I was delighted when we had the opportunity to support it with you, Arnold, at the um, at the Brooklyn Museum, uh, and then. Almost coincidentally, uh, I changed job and I came over to the United States and uh, and sort of sat behind my desk in Rockefeller Center, you know, looking after North and South America for, for Christie's, and uh, all hell broke loose. <laughs> I'd been very excited at the idea of coming to. You know, the United States, you know, its reputation for freedom, free speech, tolerance, <laughs> etc. <cetera. laughs> and, 
I was suddenly dealing with a museum being shut down by a, a by a mayor who seemed hell bent on uh, on abandoning all those basic American uh, values. Well, uh, I and everyone certainly at the Brooklyn Museum and all the hundreds of thousands of people who were touched uh, by that exhibition um, are continue to be incredibly grateful for that decision that you made. But, you know, Arnold, when you think about it now, looking back on everything that's happened over the last 20 plus years, I mean, that really was an incredibly important exhibition. I think uh, it, it, it changed contemporary art, you know, forever. I, I think there's no question. And it turned so much attention on the UK and those, well, called young British artists, the YBAs in the UK. Um, it was an interesting period to live through. I'm reliving it, as you know, because I'm trying to write this book. Um but moving along, um, we, we didn't keep in touch a great deal until uh, you left Christie's and went off to the Middle East uh, to become deeply involved in Qatar um, in creating this uh, fabulous new center for museums and art that was just amazing. Yeah, it was and is an extraordinary project. Um, and, you know, I still think people, uh, slightly misunderstand the motivation, um, for Qatar to, to, to develop and concentrate so much on this sort of cultural sector and building a cultural sector for their country. Um, you know, it was, it was, you know, it was one of the sort of pillars of society that was identified in a, in a plan that um, the Emir developed for the state. And they went about it in a very serious, um, well-conceived manner. I mean, they put a big budget aside and they immediately started working um, on building a network of museums that would, um, you know, educate and... Uh, the people of their own state, but also bring in um, people from all around the world to Qatar um, who would visit and see these fabulous cultural institutions and hopefully um, leave with a better understanding of what um, the Middle East and Qatar in particular was all about and, uh, and, and you know, have a, a more collaborative, more tolerant understanding of the region generally and uh, you know as, as the project developed it obviously became more and more important that theme because uh, you know there was a huge amount of uh, distress and dislocation in the Middle East and its relationships with the rest of the world sort of swung one way and another um, so the 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 idea of a dialogue through culture was fundamental to, to, to that project. It was incredibly exciting to be part of. You know, we'd work with the best architects in the world who were bringing their ideas for museums. We'd work with the best museum directors in the world. And, of course, you know, we, we were able to, to build on the amazing collections of the state and continue to buy sort of precious objects at, at auction. 
But, you know, and that, that work, our need to work with the best museum directors of the world, Arnold, is exactly what brought me to you after uh, a little bit of an absence. I can't imagine how you would have ever trusted me again <laughs> after our sensational um, original um, relationship. Anyway, but let me ask a question. Aside, what was the most amazing thing that really you remember from those years uh, being associated with Qatar and uh, um, and the museum's authority? Um, I mean, there's so many incredible things that you did when you were there. What stands out? Um, you know, it's a very, I mean, there were so many extraordinary moments. I mean, I think the first thing I have to say, actually, is just on a personal note. Um, the warmth of the people were just extraordinary. I mean, incredibly welcoming, incredibly easy to be with. Um, uh, it was, you know, a really great time for, for building friendships and experiencing many new things in life. But I, uh, no, I mean, I think that one of the greatest moments was actually just after I left Qatar was the opening of the National Museum, which was this extraordinary, um, masterpiece by uh, Jean Nouvel, uh, which was opened last year, actually, uh, at about this time. Uh, an absolutely extraordinary tour de force in terms of engineering, um, which developed this huge 300,000 square feet museum um, called the National um, Museum of Qatar. And that was a pretty amazing moment to be standing there uh, as it was open, knowing that uh, uh, I played a part, albeit a small part, in the creation of such an extraordinary thing. Um, but also just just going to work every day um, in the the great Museum of Islamic Art, which was this IMPE masterpiece, which stands you know in the lagoon. Amazing, just amazing, stunningly beautiful. I mean, the collection itself fantastic. Um, and, you know, I can remember sitting there, uh, in the wonderful tea room, uh, that we had in the, uh, in the sort of big atrium area, uh, which was, uh, run by Alain Ducasse. So the food was absolutely amazing. Um, but having to, 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 to stand in, um, for Sheikh Amayasa for about 45 minutes with Prince Charles and Camilla, who had just flown in and were visiting, but um, because they'd closed down all the roads in, uh, as a security protocol for the arrival of this um, future king, um, poor Sheikh Amayasa couldn't get through the, the traffic. <laughs> so I, I was there, you know, making sort of casual chit-chat uh, with Prince Charles and Camilla for, you know, for 45 minutes waiting for... Um, for Shaker to arrive, and that 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 was uh, quite an extraordinary moment. But then, but then we once we ran some great exhibitions, and uh, I have to say, the opening of uh, the 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 Damien Hirst sculpture, the Miraculous Journey, um, which was placed outside this extraordinary sort of maternity hospital that uh, Shaker Myas's mother. And the Qatar Foundation were behind driving this amazing facility for the state of Qatar. 
an extraordinary hospital. And, and outside it was commissioned these uh, extraordinary series of sculptures called The Miraculous Journey by Damien Hirst. And they were cast in bronze. I mean, they were sort of 25 to 30 foot high, each one. Uh, and there were a series of sculptures, 13 in total. I'm absolutely sure I think it was 13. Just depicting... You know, the, the moment that life was conceived and then the sort of development of the fetus within the womb and then the birth. And it's just an amazingly powerful, uh, uh, work of art and, uh, just one of you know, many extraordinary things that happened in Qatar. Um, I was, I saw all the photographs and I saw the National Museum coming out of the ground, even when it was just, beginning to be built it was such an amazing scale that um you couldn't but be impressed with the with the incredible uh aura that was given off well i think there's i mean richard serra who did um some extraordinary work in qatar um there's a wonderful sculpture outside the Museum of Islamic Art. Um, but I think what is the greatest piece of public sculpture anywhere uh, is his east-west-west-east piece, um, which stands in the desert in Qatar in this sort of canyon, um, four extraordinary steel pillars of massive scale that... Um, it's just breathtaking to look at. It looks as though this, the sort of internal workings of the planet Earth are sort of poking through the surface of this desert and uh, containing nature in a sort of engineered box, so to speak, in terms of how it appears to you. It's unbelievable. And, uh, of course, our great colleague Jean-Paul England was uh, was there at the time working with all the artists directly to... Um, to install these extraordinary pieces. Uh, but Richard Serra described uh, his relationship with Qatar and Shaker in particular uh, as his Medici. And uh, I think that's what it felt like. These were, at that moment, the greatest patrons of art on earth. And uh, they were actively engaged every day um, with working with and promoting art and contemporary artists and public sculpture museums, education in schools, etc. It was an extraordinary time to be there. And I think that description of um, of the Altarnis and Sheikh Maestro in particular is the Medici of his generation is exactly the right way of, uh, of, of giving a concept of what was going on at that time in Qatar. Well, so it was difficult, I'm sure, re-entry um, uh, from that interlude there for four years, Ed? Were you... Uh, three, three. Three years. Uh, re- re-entry uh, to the auction world um, was probably, uh, uh, in and of itself, um, a, whole, uh, a whole work of art um, because um, you now had to deal not just with the not just with the buy side, um, but now back with the buy and the sell side. Um, But I have to say, and I'm very prejudiced, and I say that to anyone who's listening, 
um, uh, having been witness to a very small fragment of what you've done at Phillips um, is staggering, just uh, incredible, bringing all those great people together and how uh, people work in unison um, as partners um, just across the board is something, forget the world of auction house, but in any uh, kind of collaborative um, collaborative uh, opportunity, whether it's a corporation or not-for-profit or an auction house, that kind of partnership, I think, is should be emulated. Well, thank you, Arnold. Um, no, I mean, I, I was, in a way, I was quite fortunate to be able to, to, to build a team of people who I'd got to know over the years who I respected hugely and, uh, you know, empowered by... Yeah, you know, the benign leadership of uh, Leonid Friedland and the Mercury Group, who were highly supportive of what we were doing, um, we were we were able to put together a really great team of people, and uh, and I think the energy of being the underdog, so to speak, really did fire up a lot of uh, people who I work with every day, and uh, yeah, we, we we were determined to create something that. You know, was powerful and meaningful, and 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 perhaps challenged the status quo of the art market that a lot of us have grown up in for thirty or forty years. Even. What's going to happen, Ed, when uh, we all reopen, hopefully in the next few months? Um, what will be the perception of how things have changed from your perspective, not just in the auction world, but in the the art world um, in its entirety? From you know, all those uh, art fairs that we love to hate and hate to love to the galleries, museums. I mean, this, 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 uh, as someone said, a sabbatical, uh, that we're all, that we're all on. Um, how, how has that changed your view of what's to come? Well, I think, uh, I think in a way it was a much needed jolt, um, that we, we did need to sort of break ourselves out of this sort of the way of being that we had all grown to accept. Um, which is, which is probably not sensible going forward. I mean, you know, you get to a point, and um, I was probably guiltier than anybody of treating planes almost as buses, you know, that you were just, you know, I would commute to work from New York to London and pop over to Hong Kong for two or three days to be there when the sales were taking place. And, you know, not really, you know, it just became generally acceptable for people to um, not only waste resources like this, but potentially sort of endanger other people by this sort of willful travel. And so I think a lot of, uh, you know, we going forward, I think there will be a lot more thought given to, you know, how to work smarter, putting less stress and strain on our own human bodies and the planet generally. Um, and I think that is a wonderful thing. I also, um, I also think that, 
you know, we have been reminded at this moment that economies are fragile, you know, and wealth can be created and lost. You know, I wouldn't say easily, but it is. Um, and I think it's given us all the chance just to pause and remember some of the things that are extremely important um, to existence and the quality of life and health is obviously paramount. And I think, you know, we need to, to be reminded of that. And I think it's very interesting seeing this fight going on between opening the economy up and keeping it closed to preserve life at the moment, because that's basically what the discussion is about and how that's playing out. And I think that will undoubtedly play um, to this new world that we re-enter into in, in a couple of months' time, three months' time, four months' time. I think we will all have on our agendas a higher priority for the quality of life, our health, how money is spent in society, how we support people. Um, you know, I, I watched uh, the host of Newsnight in the UK, Emily Matless, Matless, um, hot off the Prince Andrew um, interview, it must be said. She's fantastic. But, but she said, you know, that uh, this is really challenging to how we think about society generally because, you know, this pandemic has ended up um, endangering directly some of the most underpaid, poorly resourced, um, and, and, and hitherto undervalued people in our society. You know, it is the teachers who are still going to school to run um, lessons for key workers' kids. It's national health workers. It's nurses over here. It's doctors. You know, it's, it's, it's disproportionately affecting and killing, you know, people who have actually, frankly, had a bit of a rum deal in society um, to date over the last 20, 30 years. So I, I hope that sort of resets um, things in people's minds. And selfishly, in terms of art, um, I have no doubt that art will be, and I hope, even more central to the messaging uh, of how society reacts to this over the next few years. And I think it's, uh, I'm hoping... Um, interest in art will remain as high as it has been, possibly higher. And that I think we will see some extraordinary, you know, reactions to this period by artists who, um, you know, I hope we'll all be talking about and working with and selling things for over the next few years. I have to say, Ed, I don't think um, I've heard anyone put that all together and forward quite as eloquently as you've just done. What's next for the rest of this uh, sabbatical, Ed? I know you're working every day, every moment of the day, so I appreciate the time you're taking to do this. Um, but uh, I hope you've had chances for long walks and um, um, looking out over the water, which is always to me the most peaceful and wonderful, refreshing thing that anybody can do. Well, absolutely. I mean, I, you know, I, I have rarely been in the same place for for the last years, and so suddenly 
you know, being here um, at springtime in particular. I mean, I can't remember the last time I was able to watch, you know, life, you know, bursting into life all around me. Uh, it's been absolutely fantastic. And uh, so that, that's that been definitely one of the huge benefits of this. Um, but, you know, it is, it's, it's, a, it's a challenging moment for us all at work because, um, you know, the economy is basically shut down and, uh, you know, all companies are in the same situation or a lot of them are as we are that, uh, you know, had their revenue streams sort of cut and, um, you know, we're having to, to deal with the consequences of that and try and manage the business through it. But uh, it's so, you know, you're surrounded by all this serene, natural beauty with sort of this eternal event of spring happening all around you as though nothing had changed. Whilst, you know, in the workplace, it's uh, it's very different indeed. But we do have we do have a wonderful thing to look forward to. And that is uh, when we do reopen, having that incredible new space and uh, brilliant brilliantly designed new galleries. Um, um, that's one of the great uh, anticipations that I know you have, we all have. Yeah, no, absolutely. No, that space is going to be an absolute game changer for, for Philips in New York. I've got no doubt about that. Um, you know, we were able to, to, to create something very special in London, which transformed Philips' presence in the market in London, in Berkeley Square. And I think we're going to do it all over again with the space in New York. I'm incredibly excited, as, as we all are, by by that space. It's going to look exciting and spectacular, and uh, we will be able to show contemporary art better than anybody. Um, and that's really important for us. Wow. Ed, I can't thank you enough. I can't thank you enough taking the time today. I can't thank you enough for engaging um, me in new and fascinating um, new world uh, that I was only um, looked into, not from. Um, and the most important thing is to be well and rest up because there's an awful lot of work ahead when, when the world reopens at some point. So, Take a walk on the beach for me, Ed, would you please? I certainly will. And Arnold, stay in that apartment for me, please. <laughs> well, you know, we are we are under house arrest good. by my children good. Uh, for good motives, good motives. They want us to remain healthy. So uh, we're not even allowed in our elevator. Good. Anyway, exactly how we, it should be. <laughs> wait, wait and a little take bit. Take care. Say Great. hi to Sam for me, and we'll speak soon. Take yeah, care. Bye bye. Thank you. Yeah. Bye bye. That was my friend, CEO of Phillips Auctioneers, Ed Dolman. I hope you will join me for my next episode of Art Matters at Home when artist Judy Chicago will be with us.